Welcome to the Property Investors Podcast. Thanks so much for tuning in. Make sure you subscribe so you never miss an upload. You can catch us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and YouTube. Enjoy this week's show and don't forget to share it with all your friends. Hello and welcome to the Property Investors Podcast. My name is Russell Lee. I'm Ricky Mandel. And on this week's show, we're talking about how we analyze a property deal. Now, I've got to be honest, this is probably one of the most important skills as a property investor. Before we begin, go on. I just want to say, Happy New Year. Happy New Year, bro. <laughs> I mean, you're, you're going full force, full swing into how to analyse a property deal. But actually, first, let's just address the Happy New Year. But the, th- but the thing is, people might be listening to this in a month's time, in two months' time, three months' time, and, and what they actually want from this show is they want to know how to analyse a property deal. What they don't want to know is that you went to New York for New Year's. I did go to New York, and I ate a lot of food, um, and it was brilliant, and a Happy New Year to you. Did you put weight on over Christmas? A lot of weight, um, a hell of a lot of weight. However, now I'm going to be working on... Um, my body and my fitness, going on a fitness process. I'm following in Samuel's footsteps. He's inspired me. So it's kind of like, because I knew I was going to go on this fitness process this year, it's kind of like been the last month I've been like, I'm going on the process, aren't I? So you may as well go all out for the last month. Yeah, I've put on a little bit of weight from the 10th of December to today. So 10th of December, everything was going well. And then obviously got all the Christmas parties. But did you go all out or were you just like, right, I'm just going to enjoy myself? Because my mindset was I'm going to enjoy myself and go over the top. Do you know how much heavier you are now compared to what you were a month ago? A month ago. I've probably put on maybe three kilos. Okay. I'm I'm half a pound heavier. What's that in kilos? 0.2. Oh, it's nothing. It's like, no, mine's noticeable. If you watch this podcast and you watch one from three months ago, you'll be like, wow, he's, he's put on weight, yes. Might be a bit less than 0.2. Might be 0.1. <laughs> I, don't, I don't actually know the conversion rate exactly. Someone will say, more comment below and say, but I did put on a little bit more, but I've, I've lost it already. I did a 48-hour water fast. Oh, I can do that. I'm hungry now. On the first... Really? Yeah. All right, anyway, so... Anyway, how to analyse a property deal. How to analyse... Now, I genuinely think this is one of the most important skills as a property investor that you can have is to be able to find and therefore analyse good property deals. So the very first thing I think you need to do when you're, when you're assessing a deal, analysing a deal, the very, very first thing you need to do is to have an outcome in mind as to what the end what you want the property to become Mm. right so for example um it might be that you find a property and you want it to become a service accommodation property yeah how are you going to rent this out how are you going to make money from this deal do you want to do it as a hmo do you want to do it as a buy to let is it a development opportunity is it that you want to take a large property and turn it into flats Yeah. yeah so i think the very very first thing you need to do is you need to have an outcome in mind as to what you want to do with that property. I also think the outcome comes after the viewing. So I think you can have an, uh, uh, you can have an idea of what the outcome is going to be before you go to the viewing. But until you've actually been to the viewing, spoke to the landlord or the agency, I don't think the outcome can be, can be set in stone. No. Because the landlord might not want the money. I'll give you an example. You might go there thinking, all right, this, I'm going to buy this house, I'm going to rent it out as um, a 
single let. And then you go to the property and you realize, actually, you're going there thinking, I'm going to buy it, rent it out as a single let. But when you get there, you're speaking to the landlord and they don't need the money now. They might be a negative equity or... Oh, well, this is, this is, this is the next point. Oh, you, you, carry on. You're, you're, you're jumping ahead. You carry on. You're going to be now talking about how you're going to take control of the property, right? Yeah. Yeah, 100%. That's, that's the next point. But, but right now, the first, thing you need to, the first thing you need to decide is what is the best way of making money yeah. from this property? So should I... How, how am I going to rent it out? How am I going to, 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 to be getting cash flow from this property? Yeah. And that's the cool thing about having lots of different strategies that you can do. If you, if you go and let's say, for example, you're a HMO landlord and you're only a HMO landlord, you might go to a brilliant property and view it and go, doesn't work. Doesn't work as a HMO. Yeah. And you walk away from what could have been an amazing BRR to buy to let, for example. Yeah. Or it could have been an amazing service accommodation or it could have been an amazing, there's, there's, a, there's a plot of land to the side that you could have built a house. Yeah. Yeah. And you missed the opportunity because you were only in the... HMO mindset. So the first thing you need to do is go assess it and then weigh it up. And how would you work out, for example, what, what would you say the main things they need to be looking for in terms of a, a rental strategy, I suppose, or in terms of a making money from the property? Yeah, well, I mean, the guess, I guess the, the, the very first thing is actually how much money will it generate? So if you're going to rent a property out, a single HMO, whatever it may be, how much rent are you actually going to collect that's the first thing that i'd be looking at what am i actually going to collect from this property how much rent will they be paying once you know that amount the next thing and, and, and how can you how can you work that out let's let's look at let's look at the top three ways that we, we do it let's okay. buy to let yeah hmo yeah service accommodation okay so buy to let um there's a few ways first thing i'd do is i'd look at what what's actually on the market right now so how much rent are landlords asking for right now what's on the market what's available for rent how much are they how much are they uh, charging yeah. then once i've seen that piece of evidence i'll then back up that evidence with facts and the facts would be what's already been rented <laughs> and you can find this information out there's a website called open rent if you go into open rent you can see all the properties that have been rented in an area not for rent not properties that are being advertised, they do show that as well. But you could also see actually what's being rented. What are people actually paying right now? And more times than not... And just explain to people what's the difference between... Let's, let's say you went on to Rightmove and you saw, ah, there's a very similar property there that's on for rent at £2,000 a month, yeah. for example. What, why, would you, why would that not be a perfect comparable? Because <laughs> it's the exact same. It could be in the same street, it could be next door, it's on the rent. Well, because that's like me saying... Here, this this coffee. If you want this coffee, I'm going to put it out on the market, and I'm going to charge a hundred pounds for this coffee. But my, no one might actually rent or buy the coffee for a hundred pounds. That's just what I want. I'm just saying I want this much money. But it's not actually. No one's actually said I want it. But when people say I want something, that's the price that they're willing to pay. So when you look at comparables. Great. Ones that have been advertised for rent, it's good to know. It has some evidence for you there to, to have a look at. But you need to back it up with, are people actually paying that price? If this cup of coffee, I market it for £100, and then I look and there's people that have actually paid £100, then the chances are I'll probably get £100. But if I market it for £100, and then I look at 
if there's a website where you can see how much people pay for a coffee, but people are only paying five pounds, then the chances are I'm probably not going to be able to get hundred pounds for it. I'll probably get the five pounds. Out of interest, how much did you actually pay for it? Uh, I don't. Uh, I think I don't know. The thing is, like maybe four pound eighty, something like that. So I thought five pound. I'll put a twenty pound, twenty p margin on it. Yeah, you're already already trying to profit. <laughs> So, yeah, rented so ones are facts, aren't they? People are actually paying. Yeah. Yeah, and you can see it on open rent, can you? You can see it on open rent, um, and that will back up what's on the market. So, or, or, or you can speak to agents. Well, th- now, you're, now you're going ahead now, because that was my third point. Oh. Now you just stole the thunder. Now, the third way is you could speak to agencies. That's a good idea, that is really. <laughs> Now, here's a little tip when you're speaking to agencies, and this is, ge- just, this is just so cool. This is genius, this is. If you go to an agency, you, you go to a letting agency, and you, you ring them up, and you say, hey, I'm a landlord. I want to put my property on the market to rent. Um, how much do you think I'll get? What do you think they'll say? Well, what they're going to say is, yep, you'll be able to get X amount for it, we'll take it, we'll be able to rent it, and they'll tell you the higher amount you'll get, maybe inflate it a little bit, because they want you to give your property to them to put on the market. So what I like to do is I like to ring agencies, and this isn't a lie, because I might want to rent somewhere someday. But I say to agency, I say, hey, I'm, I'm looking at moving into the area. I'm looking, you know, I'm looking to, to rent somewhere. Um, I, you know, I'm on quite a bit of a budget. What, what do you think I'd be able to rent? If I'm looking at a three-bedroom house to, to buy, I'll say, I'm looking at a three-bedroom house. You know, there's a, a, a small amount of us. How much am I looking at rent for a three-bedroom house, but, you know, based off of a kind of small, smallish budget? And then what they'll do is they'll give you an answer that's more realistic. Because now they're trying to help you out rent somewhere within a budget, three bedroom. They'll give you a more realistic amount than probably what they would give you if you were a landlord looking to give you a property for them to rent. So you come in from the eyes of the tenant. Yes. So they're not going to inflate it slightly. It's trying yeah. Business. Yeah. Yeah, that's smart. Right. So, and then service accommodation, HMO. It's basically the same thing. It's just looking at different places, right? Yeah, you're looking in different places. And I guess the only other difference would be when you're looking at HMOs and buy to lets is a monthly rent. With service accommodation, it's a nightly rate. Yeah, so, so with service accommodation, you, you need to be factoring in your occupancy rate. So let's do HMOs. And so HMOs, where would you go? Places like Spare Room? <coughs> yep, look at Spare Room. Um, and it's the same principle again, looking at Spare Room, um, looking at what's renting and what's rented, but also ringing um, HMO managers. So you, what you don't want to do is you don't want to ring a letting agency to find out um, the rents that are being paid. Some letting agencies do manage HMOs, but where you want to go is actually to a specialist in HMOs, which will be a HMO manager. Because you've got letting agencies. Letting agencies usually will deal with single-let properties that have families or you know single occupancy in there. They don't really do HMOs. Some of them do, most of them don't. Where you want, even if they do, where you want to go is a HMO manager, because a HMO manager specialises in filling HMO rooms, so they'll have a better idea of what you're looking to get if you were to rent out your room uh, as, as a HMO. When I ring HMO managers, I, I go in with I'm the landlord, not that I'm looking to, to rent. Yeah. I don't know why. I just go in with more of a landlord. I'm the landlord. I'm looking at buying in the area. What do you think I'll get if I went this out on the room by room basis? Do you think that HMO managers are more realistic then? Like, why is that? Because that surely the psychologically it's it's the exact same, right? <laughs> why why would that change it? Because I already kind of have an idea of what uh, people are willing to pay. Because the difference is with single lets, I can look at what's been um, rented and what's renting. But with HMOs. I can see what's 
rent out you know on the market i can also see what's being rented but also another bit of information which you can't get with single lets is what are people actually willing to to pay what <laughs> catch this you guys are going to love this with hmos if you go into spare room not only can you see properties for rent but you can also see what people people advertise themselves people go onto this website and they say hey I'm Ricky, I'm looking for a single room, and I'm willing to pay this much. This is my budget. This is what I'm willing to pay. So based off that information, I already know what people are willing to pay for a room. People are screaming out, saying, I'm willing to pay £600 for a double room. I want a double room. I want a double room. There's properties on spare room being marketed, but you still have more people in some areas um, than not. And on, if you guys have been to a crash course or you come into a crash course, we show you this in front of you. We show you that there's properties on the market. And then in some areas, there are more people looking than there are properties on the market. And they're saying, hey, I want a room and I'm willing to pay 500 pounds. I'm willing to pay 600 pounds. So therefore, I know once I've looked at that information, I know that people are marketing themselves. <laughs> they're saying I want a room for this much. Is there, is there any other... You, you, any other sort of property market or place where, where people do that? Like, you don't have on right move. Here are the houses, and here are the people. Hey, <laughs> yeah, you don't. Here, looking for a four-bed house to buy in. Yeah, you don't. You don't. I can't. I, I can't think of any. Spare room is the only place where you can look at people advertising themselves to it's rent somewhere. Kind of like, um, they used to do, do you know like the old sort of wanted ads in like little magazines? Yeah, yeah. They used to do it there, didn't they? they yeah. Like, you know, I'm after this. Yeah, but we're out of the days of magazines now, aren't we? We are, but it's 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 the, it's a similar, it's funny, isn't it, how HMOs have taken, spare room, etc. I wonder, what, I don't, I'm just trying to rattle my brain as to why it is. Why, why do people advertise themselves to rent a room? But I'm looking for a place to live, I know. I'll create a little advert for myself. This you, is, you just go and look, wouldn't you? This is the thing, Russ. When you look, in, in some areas, and again, we, on the crash course, we show you this, right? right? There'll be more people looking in some areas than there are properties available. So let's say there's 100 rooms available. There might be 150 people looking. But there's not actually 150 people looking. Because... <laughs> Not everyone is going to create a profile of themselves saying, I want a room. How many people, how many people out of 100 would create an ad saying, I want a room? Maybe what? 10, if that? 10 people out of 100 that are looking for rooms would create an ad for themselves. So that means that if there's 150 people that have advertised themselves looking for a room, there's actually, I'm not good at maths, but there's actually loads more. Yeah. Because most people wouldn't create an ad of themselves. Yeah, so that's how you do HMOs. That's how you do HMOs. Service accommodation, very similar, but you're right. Because we, we, with a single let, with, with a single let, buy to let, with HMOs, you, you, you factor in voids, don't you? So you yeah. factor in voids, but pretty much no one's going to say, oh, single let, I only want it 20 days this month. It's about you know. Well, you have a minimum term anyway. You have a minimum term of six years. You might have a little gaps in between, but pretty much it's long term. Let's HMOs are the same, yeah. Albeit probably a little bit shorter on average. Service accommodation, you need to factor in number one the, the nightly rate, not the monthly rate, but number two the occupancy rate as well. So nightly rate is pretty easy. It's very similar to what we've just said. You're looking on places like Booking.com, Airbnb. What are other people charging? Um, and the cool thing about this as well is you can go more off what they're asking 
for because the fact they're asking for it means that they're getting it. Yeah. Because they're asking for it again and again. Yeah, yeah. It's not like a single let where I could I could go. I'm gonna put my house on the market. I I, I need four grand a month, but it's not worth that. Yeah. The fact that it's on there and getting bookings is showing that it's working, right? So you can you can get a very good idea of your of your nightly rate. Occupancy rate's a bit trickier. Yeah. Well, you'll never get an exact occupancy rate because one there there's nowhere to get an exact information about occupancy rates anyway because they fluctuate so much and also even when you, if you look back at your service accommodation history if you've got a service accommodation unit if you look back your um history of your occupancy rates the chances are every month your occupancy rate will be slightly different anyway so you'll never get an exact amount um the, the good thing is because some people think oh well that's worrying well <laughs> the good thing is it is risky like any business, but you limit the risk by doing your due diligence and you know having the right knowledge and education and know what you're doing. But also, the rewards are massive. Yeah. The reward outweighs the risk, yeah. especially if you have the right contracts and you can have a break clause in the contract. Doing a service, if you do a rent-to-rent -rent service accommodation, that is less risky, in my opinion, than buying a HMO or a single let. Yeah, yeah, although... We haven't got on to how you take control of the property. We haven't, we haven't done that bit yet. I'm, I'm going too fast. You look, at, you look at service accommodation property, you, you work out rough occupancy rates. Yep. The best way to work out the occupancy rates, I think, is, is to, again, is to look at, the, look, at the, um, look at properties that are similar and see how free they are. Yeah. See, see how much of it. Now, it's not going to give you exacts because it's no. possible that they might have blocked it off for themselves to yeah. in or, for, or for another reason. But if you look at a few and not just one, and you're looking, at, and you get a feel for the area. Have a look at the hotels. Speak to the hotels. You often go in, don't you, and actually go to local hotels and go in and, and speak to the staff there. Yeah, yeah. Any time I'm at, even if I'm not staying at it, if I'm staying at it, I'll always have a conversation. Even if I'm not staying, at it, I'll always pop in um, as I'm walking past, speak to the cleaners, speak to the people that work there, and just ask the questions. You know, hey, you know, just just out of curiosity, just wondering. You know, is it busy at the moment? How how full are you guys? You must be swept off your feet. And what happens is sometimes the cleaners will be like. Oh, no, we're pretty quiet at the moment. And I'll be like, mm, okay, that's interesting. Now I know I probably don't want to be looking in this area. But most of the time, they'll say, oh, man, it's so busy. We're swept off our feet. You know, we're, we're at 100%. And there's no rooms available at the moment. And the thing is this. If there's a hotel in the area, the chances are it probably works because the hotel would have spent thousands, if not hundreds of thousands of pounds on doing their market research before they even put the hotel there in the first place. Yeah. So they've done your due diligence for you. And they will tell you, you can see where hotels are coming, right? It's yeah. Like, oh, we're opening a new Premier Inn in XYZ place. It's like, ah, oh, there must be a reason they're opening a Premier Inn. Yeah. yeah a lot of people try and find gaps in the market. But with service accommodation, you don't want to find a gap in the market. If you find a gap in the market, you'll be the first one to do it and you'll be the last. You want to find somewhere where it's already working. Yes. I agree. So when you assess the... So if you find a property, for example, we'll do this every time. We'll assess it for HMO, for service accommodation, for buy-to-let. And you'd look at it and go, right, does it work? What are the comparables? Are there properties here? that Some areas you could just go and go, well, there's no HMO. This doesn't work for HMOs. You know, it's... it's it's not the wrong area. It's not busy enough. It's not whatever, right? It doesn't work for service accommodation. Everywhere works for buy-to-let. The problem with buy-to-let is it's not as profitable, right? Yeah. So you can assess the three. Now, that will give you an idea of how much rental income you're going to get. That's the first thing you need to know. How much money am I going to make from this? How much cash flow am I going to get from this? Next thing you need to do is you need to work, how much money am I going to have to spend getting it into the condition 
that's ready to be rented out. Right? Yeah. Because this is all going to be cash that you need up front. Yeah. So how much, if you're doing it as a buy to let, it might be that it's perfect, needs nothing spending on it, or it needs, you know, liquid paint. But it might be that if you're going to do a service accommodation, it's a big unit, and your plan is to rent it out room by room service accommodation, or you're turning it into a HMO, you need to add on suites in every room, for example, that might cost more. Yeah. The next thing you need to work out is how much money am I going to need, how much money in to, to refurb this property. Now, it's not all money down the drain, because if you're going to do it like, if it's, you know, we actually target properties that are an absolute wreck, that need loads of money, because then you're adding value, which means you're raising the property of the, of the uh, raising the value of the property. So there are, there are pros to this as well. It's not all bad. It's not all bad money down the drain. It's good money, but it's how much money am I going to need to spend? So the next thing that you need to know. Next, you've touched on this already, is how are you going to take control of this property? So it might be that you work it out and it doesn't make sense to buy it. You can't afford to buy it with the figures that you've worked out, but they're desperate to sell, it's a really good deal. So it might be that you can work out something creative. So do you wanna give some examples of creative strategies that you can do to take over the property? Yeah, so um, a common one is uh, lease options. A lot of our students are doing lease option agreements at the moment where they're going into properties you know, like what we've spoken about, potential HMOs, potential service accommodations, speaking to the landlords and realizing that the landlords don't actually need the money right now for various reasons. It could be that they're in negative equity and they, they can't sell it for what they want because their debt is higher than their um, value of their house. It could be that they just want it off their hands and don't want anything to do with it. They've got lots of money, they're wealthy, they don't need the money right now, so they're open to doing a lease option. And a lease option agreement is simply where you take control of a property now and you lease it for a period of time before you actually buy it. So it's almost like buy now, pay later. You agree a price today, let's say you're a landlord, Russell, and I come to you, this is your property, it's beautiful, brilliant, it's gonna work for me, you don't need the money now, how about this? How about I give you 500 pounds a month for seven years, and in seven years, I'll buy it off you for a hundred thousand pounds. Yeah, it's like the do you know like the loan system in football, where you loan a player, you've got the option to buy them at the end of the loan, or if you don't want to, you can give them back. Oh, that's the beauty of it. Yeah. You don't. You've got the um, option to buy it, not the obligation. Yeah. So Arsenal just loaned David Raya from Brentford. We loaned him, and we've got the option to buy him at the end of the season. And now, now they've activated that, so now they are buying him. It's exactly the same. Are you happy with that? Um, Ah, ah, it's an interesting one. It's, 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 um, it's not a football podcast. <laughs> True, it's uh, not. But I, I'm not sure. I'm not sure about the whole... The reason I'm asking you now is because yeah. I really don't care. But I know after the podcast finishes, you're going to be talking to me about it. I'll and I'd, ra care, yeah. I'd rather just you get it out of your system now <laughs> and keep it short while we're filming than to bore me with it an hour later. Yeah. But anyway, we are on a property podcast. So um, that is a lease option agreement. That's, that's an option. Um, another option you mentioned earlier is rent to rent. Yep. So rent to rents, but you don't buy it at all. No. You just rent it off them. So if you're, if you, let's say you think this will work really well service accommodation, but it's a million pound property, and to be honest with you, it's it's too expensive. It's not going to be. It's not going to give me enough return for the amount of deposit I'm going to have to put down, etc. You could offer to take it on as a rent to rent, or it might be that you have no money at the moment at all. You're trying to make money from property and you don't have any money, so you can't buy it. So you take it on a rent to rent, you rent it off the landlord, and then you rent it back out again as service accommodation or as a HMO, and you cash flow from a property that you don't even own. Yeah. Brilliant strategy. Or it could be just a straightforward purchase. Yeah. Uh, which is, 
you know, the, the normal way that you buy a property, which is, right, okay, so you might, you assess the property, you go, right, this property would work really well as service accommodation. It is £10,000 spending on it. It's up for sale for £300,000. Right, I'm going to buy it the normal way. So you need to decide how are you going to take control of the property. Are you going to get it on an option agreement? Are you going to do it a rent to rent? Or are you just going to, or are you going to buy it? Or oh, I'll throw another one in the mixer. Or are you going to package and sell it? Mm. That's another way of exchanging on the property. You yeah. can either buy it, you could rent, uh, control, buy it, control it, or you could package and sell it. Yeah. Um, and uh, you know, one of the questions that we get asked a lot is, you know, which strategy should I do? Wh which one should I should I focus on? What should I do first? And the answer is kind of always the same. The answer is, well, we, you know, it depends on the deal. It depends on what your outcome is, what you want to get from it, what your goals are, how much money you've got to invest, what experience. It all depends on a different number of factors. But if you've if you've only got one strategy, I I kind of think of it as like a toolbox. Yeah. So you've only got one strategy. Let's say your one strategy is HMOs. Yeah. That's it. You want to buy HMOs. That is it. It's like going in with one tool. It's like going in with a hammer. Yeah. And then you go into, you know, you've only got a hammer. It's like, yeah, but for this job, you need a screwdriver. Yeah. Or for this job, you need a saw or whatever. Yeah. I'm, not, I'm not very, neither of us are very hammer. No. I'm still needing to think of tools. <laughs> or uh, a screwdriver. A screwdriver or a saw. <laughs> or some blue jack. Yeah. But you, it's like your toolbox of strategies, yeah. right? So when you're, when you're going to, to assess a, a, a deal, it's like, well, which, which tool fits? Which strategy fits? And there's lots of different combinations that you can do. And depending on the problem, depending on the deal, other ones wouldn't work. And I've seen loads of people that walk away from great deals. Missed opportunities. Yeah, totally missed opportunities. And also, it's not even when you've got the deal, you could still potentially interlink the strategies. Oh, do you know how many of our students convert rent-to-rent -rent deals into lease options? But if you don't know how to do a lease option, you don't know anything about it, even if you know a little bit, let's say you watch a few YouTube videos or you, <laughs> you listen to a few podcasts, you know, right, I understand these options. Let's say you get a rent-to-rent -rent and then the landlord says, hmm, I'm actually thinking of selling it in a few years' time. And you don't, you don't, you have no idea what to do. You're like, oh. Yeah. Yeah, it's like, oh dear, I'm going to have to end the rent to rent. Well, no, if you know what you're doing, you know how to do lease options, then you could be the one that has the option to buy it in a few years' time. Yeah, 100%, 100%. It, it, it just, it just, it just makes sense. So the, the final thing, once you've worked out all these things, is you need to work out then your return on investment. So it's, right, so I know, we, I know how I'm going to take control of it. I know how much money I need to spend doing it up. I know how much cash flow I'm gonna I'm gonna uh, I'm gonna take. So first of all, is how much money in am I needing for this whole deal? So that's gonna include everything. That's gonna include your, if you're buying it, your solicitor fees, your stamp duty, your deposit. It's gonna include the, the refurb on the house. Every single penny that you spend taking control of this property, how much money am I gonna need? And that's your money in. Then you're gonna look at your money out. So this is all the money that you're gonna put out of the deal in the first year. So that'll be all your uh, your rental income, and it could even include refinancing the property. Yeah. If you're taking it on a, like if, you, if your plan is to do the buy, refurbish, refinance strategy, which in my opinion is my favourite strategy of everything that we that we, that we do, um, that is you're you're buying the property for say 100 grand, you're spending say 20 grand doing it up, so you, you're 120 grand in, but now you've pushed the value of the property up to 160 grand, right? So, and then you can refinance it, remortgage it, and pull basically all the money out, out that you put in, right? Which basically means that you're making 100% ROI. When we talk about money out, um, are we talking the turnover or are we talking profit? 
we're talking the any money that comes into your into your it, well, forget forget profit because we're looking at we've already accounted all our uh, all our money in right yeah and then we're looking at all our money out okay so for example if you get a grand a month from a single let that's 12 grand a year so that 12 grand a year would be the money out no because you you take off you take off the monthly expense. So it'd be the profit at the yeah, end of the, the year. It'd be the profit, yeah. But it, sorry, I thought you were talking about the money that you're putting in. No, no, no. Sorry, the money out. When we say money out, yes, we're talking about profit. We're talking about profit. Yes, hundred percent, hundred percent. So it's what profit am I putting out the deal? What money, so, for example, I see what you're saying. Let's say you're doing it as a HMO and you have to pay a ten percent management fee. You take that off. Yeah. You wouldn't count that. If you've got, if you're paying the bills, you take the bills off. Yes. Yeah. Yeah, exactly that. So money you're left with at the end of everything. Money that you're left with at the end. So that's what you need to, how much money in and how much money out. And then you can use those figures to work out your return on investment. So for example, if you were, let's keep the maths nice and simple. If you were putting in a hundred grand, hundred grand is what you needed for the deal. And at the end of the year, you're going to pull out 20,000 pounds in profit. You'd know that 20% of what you'd put in, you'd manage to pull out, yeah. which is a 20% return on investment. Um, and 20% return on investment is pretty good. Pretty good. Because now you've got an asset. It's, I'd take it. it. It's not great if you're not owning the property though. No, no, if you're controlled, if you're doing rent to rent or lease options, it, you, it, that's unacceptable. Yeah. Because <laughs> with a lease option and rent to rent, you're not putting hardly any money in anyway. <laughs> so if you were to get 20%, that would be dreadful. Yeah. So how much would you, would you aim for? At least. At least two hundred percent for a rent to rent. So that means that we expect to get our money back that we put in within six months. Yeah, yeah, I, I. You're quite. You're, you look surprised that I, I, I knew the two hundred percent. No, no, I was. I, I, I just, it took me a minute to work it out in my head. Then one hundred percent would be your money back in the first year. I'm thinking about lease options as well. Though. See, I think lease options is a little bit different because you, if depending on the fee that you've agreed at the end, right? So it depends on. I think I think it's a little bit different with a lease option. Well, lease option. What what you do is you put the carrot at the you, end. Yeah. So oh. It's, so if I was making, let's say, if I made a hundred percent ROI on a lease option. Yeah, but which at which point are you working out the ROI? Because what you could argue. The year one. Yeah, but what? So, but what, what I would potentially argue is, all right, you've got this lease option. I would work out the return on investment based off the money I've put in straight away to the money I've got out in that first year and every year up until I buy it. Because then when I buy it, I'll then put in a chunk of money as the deposit yeah, to buy it or I'll buy it with cash. What I'm saying is though, with a rent to rent, you don't, you, you've got no carrot at the end, right? The deal no. is what the deal yeah. is. So it's all about cash flow. Yeah. So 200% makes sense. Yeah. With a lease option, give an example, right? So we're, do, we're doing a lease option at the moment. We're, we've actually took a hotel on, on yeah. a lease option agreement. And we've agreed to buy it for two mil. It's worth about that now, but in ten years. Right. So for us, the carrot is the is is the we get it for two mil in ten years, where it's probably going to be a bargain in ten years' time. Yeah. And the cash flow is good. However, it needs quite a bit of money spending on it, a couple of hundred grand. So probably year one, we probably will make a loss, probably. But it's more about. But it's more about. It's right. It's no, I see what you're saying. I see what you're saying. saying. Yeah, you're looking. That's the long run, the, the big picture. By five years, we'll have made a lot of profit. The reason the year one won't make much profit is because the money's going to have to spend on it. But the reason we're spending the money on it is because we've got the option to buy it at the end. Yeah, no, that makes sense. That makes sense. Yeah, rent to rent, you've got no 
benefit or no incentive to put money in and reverbs and stuff like that because you've got nothing at the end. No. You've just got a lease agreement, basically. Yeah, so it has to be really hard. Yeah, yeah. Lease option agreement, it depends. And then no, normal normal deals, normal properties, you know, we, we, we typically aim for 20% plus. Uh, I think you should do a lot more if you know what you're doing. Yeah. Uh, but I wouldn't sniff at 20%. Either. I think for a single let right now in today's oh, market, it was, 20%. no, that would be, that'd be unheard of right now. That'd be unbelievable. A single let, you'd do well to get 5%. <laughs> you'd, you'd do well to get 8%. Yeah, you, you, you would. <laughs> you would. If you're just doing the buy to let. But if you're using service accommodation HMOs, you can obviously get a lot, lot more. Yeah. The, the, I bought a service accommodation property recently. After two years, I'd made all my money back. Everything. <laughs> That's, that's good, that is. 50% ROI. Purchase. Yeah, that's very good for buying it as well. Yeah. And you've got the appreciation to come. Uh, it's according to the, you know, the where you can go and, and like on Deal Saucer and yeah. uh, we can analyse the price. It's already gone up about 70 grand, so I've made that as well. Oh, balling. I'm laughing. I'm laughing, mate. <laughs> maybe, maybe you should have bought that football player. Just had him in your pocket. <laughs> Just buy him, innit? Because, you know, you can. Yeah, so anyway guys, I hope you found that really useful. So just to sort of recap the key steps. Number one is the, you always start with the, with the outcome, right? And, and that's true of any negotiation or any business deal. It's like, what's the outcome of this? So when you look at the property, it's how am I gonna make cash flow from this in the end? Well, how am I gonna rent this out? What's the outcome? Next thing you need to look at is how much it's gonna cost me to get there in terms of refurb, etc. Third thing is what is the best way of taking control of this asset? Do I buy it, lease option, do I rent to rent? And then once you've figured all that out, what is the return on investment? How much am I putting in? How much am I, getting, am I getting out? And that is how you assess and analyze any property deal. Hope you found that useful. I've been Russell Leeds. I'm Ricky Mandel. We'll see you next week.